Hey, welcome back to Well That's Interesting, the totally fine with them taking over one day edition. Today is episode 177, evidence that unrelated groups of apes cooperate and it's confirmed. Rats have an imagination. My friends, have you noticed that the laundry list of characteristics and skills that make humans a unique species is getting ever so smaller? day by day? I mean, once upon a time, it was thought that we were the only creatures that used organized language to communicate. But thanks to bees, African forest elephants, mustached bats, prairie dogs, whales, and sea lions, just to name a few, we now know that's not true. It was once believed we were the only species to use tools. Then this was pretty much blown out of the water too. As of this recording, 32 other species have been officially seen using tools, including crocodiles and alligators. Yes, even crocodiles and alligators are using objects to get shit done. According to discovermagazine.com, mugger crocodiles and American alligators have both been observed gathering sticks and balancing them on their snouts as lures to attract birds that might be building nests. That's just fucking smart. And from Carl Zimmer of the New York Times, human cooperation is so striking that anthropologists have long considered it a hallmark of our species. They speculated it emerged thanks to the evolution of our powerful brains, which enable us to use language, establish cultural traditions, and perform other complex behaviors, end quote. Well, hmm, <laughs> here we are. My friends, it turns out, oh gosh, my upright business goose, we are not the only ones who get along with a little help from our friends. A new research report just published in the November 2023 issue of Science includes ample evidence of wild, unrelated bonobos sharing food, grooming, even forming alliances to smite a common rival, in some cooperating. Yes, again, these are wild, biologically unrelated groups. And this cooperation, by the way, it wasn't just a one-off event for like a brief time. These observations went on consistently over the entire length of the study, which was two goddamn years long. Needless to say, this study is causing quite the stir. We will get into it. Then after the break? Why, yes, we are crossing out another item on the old what makes a human special list. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Look, it's true. Our imaginations are fucking extraordinarily complex and magical, and it's a testament to how powerful our brains can be, yada yada. But it turns out, imagination is no longer a unique trait. Thanks to a team of researchers at HHMI's Janelia Research Campus, <laughs> your relationship with rats is about to become a little bit more complicated. They created a virtual reality brain machine interface for rats, yes, virtual reality doohickey, that you have to see to believe. We will get into how it works and how it proves that, like humans, they think about places and things that aren't right in front of them. And they use their thoughts to imagine walking from one spot to another, or about moving an object to one spot from there to over there. And I'm sure you've done that before too, like having a little daydream about a meander or zhuzhing up your place. Yeah, 
rats do this. And by the way, I'm Jill Chacha. And if this is your first time listening, welcome to The Flock, my lavish business goose. To begin, I'd like you to take a moment and think about the usual stuff that keeps you up at night. I know. I bet for a lot of us, it's bills, rent, the mortgage, your fucking kids, a bullshit job, or looking for a bullshit job. Well, for Dr. Martin Serbeck, a behavioral ecologist at Harvard, and Lyron Samuni, an expert on chimpanzees at the German Primate Center in Göttingen, uh, well, what kept them up at night? <laughs> Sorry, I got... I'm going to keep that in. I'm going to keep it in. <laughs> what kept them up at night were bonobos. Now, before we get into why exactly, <clears throat> here are a few fun facts about the animal you probably, probably... <laughs> As promised, I've kept the outtake, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna try this one more time. Here we go. To begin, I'd like you to take a moment and think about the usual stuff that keeps you up at night. I bet for a lot of us, it's bills, rent, the mortgage, your kids, or a bullshit job, or even looking for a bullshit job. Well, for Dr. Martin Serbeck. A behavioral ecologist at Harvard and Lyron Samuni, an expert on chimpanzees at the German Primate Center in, in Göttingen. Well, what kept them up at night were bonobos. Yes, bonobos. Now, before we get into why exactly, here are a few fun facts about the animal you probably have heard of and kind of know, kind of, but you're not quite sure what they're all about. Well, don't worry, I've got you. If you're imagining something similar looking to a chimpanzee, you are not too far off. According to the World Wildlife Federation, bonobos and chimpanzees look very similar, and both share 98.7% of their DNA with humans, making these two species our closest living relatives. Now, bonobos are usually a bit smaller, leaner, and a little darker than chimpanzees, but their social structures, oh my god, their social structures are way, way different. They couldn't be more different. Quote, Among chimpanzees, males hold a dominant place in society. They can be extremely violent, even killing babies. In bonobo groups, however, females dominate, and males have never been observed to commit infanticide. Bonobos often diffuse conflict with sex, a strategy that primatologists have not observed among chimpanzees, end quote, from Carl Zimmer of the New York Times. Now, unfortunately, they are considered endangered, and wild bonobos can only be found in forests south of the Congo River in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And for my confused fellow geographically challenged Americans, you may be wondering where this is. Don't worry, I've got you here too. All you gotta do, please is imagine Africa. Perfect, thank you. Now point to the center. Fabulous. Now make a very large circle, like so large you're almost taking up the whole waistline of Africa, if you will. Okay, that is the Democratic Republic of Congo, or the DRC. And if it sounds big, 
It is. About 112 million people live here. By land area, the DRC is the second largest country in Africa. And get this, it's the 11th largest country in the world. I know, it blew my mind. It is massive. And the area where wild bonobos call home is deep within largely untraversed forest. This leads us to what's been keeping up Dr. Serbeck, or the Beck, as I like to call him, and Lyran Sumani, or the Oons, as I like to call her. For you see, what little we know about bonobos has been documented from observations in captivity. And needless to say, that's not the best way to get a full understanding of anyone's natural behavior. So, join me, will you, back with the Beck, in a year we'd all love to forget, 2016. Yeah, now, one good thing came out of this year. The Beck set up a new observational site in the Kokolopori Bonobo Reserve in the DRC. And he chose this incredible reserve because according to the Bonobo Conservation Initiative, or BCI, this protected area is home to one of the largest known bonobo populations. Four distinct groups live here, and the indigenous Mangandu people, they share a deep relationship with these animals. They work with BCI to help keep conservation efforts alive, and they help researchers basically find bonobos in these seemingly endless forests. So, my mostly hairless business goose, this brings us to the very first outing with the Beck and those guides, when the single bonobo group that they were following happened to encounter another. Now, generally, when two unrelated groups of wild creatures cross paths, you could expect to see one of two things happen. They may keep a respectful distance, or a bit of a tiff may develop. One of these was what the Beck was anticipating. And yeah, between the two groups, there came a loud series of hoots and calls. But what followed was a friendly gathering. Quote, The encounter couldn't have been more different than what happens between chimpanzee groups. Male chimpanzees typically patrol the boundaries of their ranges, ready to battle other males from other groups. They will even climb hilltops to scan the horizon for other groups. I just felt very privileged to witness this kind of encounter. End quote. The Beck recalled to the New York Times. Now, my friends, you may be wondering what a friendly encounter entails for a bonobo, and we will definitely get into that. But you should know, this first encounter is what began one hell of an observational study. The Beck and his colleagues, including the Oons, spent two years focusing on two fascinating wild groups living in the Kokolopori Bonobo Reserve. One group, with 11 adults, was called Ikalakala, and the other, with 20 adults, was known as Kokowalango. And the friendly encounters between them will blow your mind. As reported by ScienceNews.org, they interacted with each other nearly 100 times over the course of the study, which added up to 20% of their days. 20%! Some meetings lasted as short as an hour, but one visit took two damn weeks. (laughs) Two weeks! I asked my friends to leave before nine. And uh, during all of their encounters, 
Uh, they groomed one another. They shared food. They even cooperated to chase away snakes. That's just love. And uh, it gets better. Other than bonding over a good snake chase, of the more than 3,700 grooming interactions observed, that's a lot, 10% were between bonobos of completely different social groups. So about 370 grooming instances of just grooming each other. And of all the Machiavellian partnerships that were created between two parties to attack a third common rival, 15%, that's more than 10%, 15% were between bonobos from also very different groups. This is more trust than what exists between nations now. This is 15%. And finally, other than the drama, in regards to food sharing, 6% of food sharing were across groups. This is incredible. Now, I know what you may be wondering, my equally friendly business goose, was there a pattern? Like to who worked with who? And you know what, how do we know there wasn't an incentive to get them to do this? Those are great questions. I am so glad you asked, as did the Beck and the Oons. Turns out there was a pattern. Very similarly, with people, quote, individuals that tended to engage in cooperative behavior within their group were more likely to interact with bonobos in other groups and ones that had the same tendency. However, this cooperation doesn't appear to be solely motivated by immediate reciprocation. For instance, during the study, only 14% of bonobos that shared food with a partner in the other group had the deed reciprocated, end quote from sciencenews.org. So, 14%, that's it. My caring business goose, those who naturally would give, gave, and on occasion they got back too, but looking at the numbers, it's as though it wasn't solely for getting something in return. Now, I know what you may be thinking, okay, wait, hold up. If it's not immediate, well, that's generosity. And how common is that? Like, well, I know, I was speechless too. My friends, it's pretty goddamn uncommon, to tell you the truth. The Oons explained to Science News that only vampire bats, bonobos, and humans are among the few species known to do this, to be generous. And yes, I said vampire bats, tell your friends. <laughs> so they need to up their game. <laughs> Now, the Beck followed this up by uh, noting that chimps also share food, but it's only within their social group. So, if your jaw is not yet on the floor in amazement, I would like to whip out this doozy of a pickle. Uh, remember when I said that the two groups spent like 20% of the two years together? That might make you think, well, maybe it's because... Okay, they're not like biologically related, but they're kind of similar, you know? Like, I have a lot in common with my friends. Maybe that's why they get along too. Well, get this, y'all. Even though we will probably never know what they are actually saying to one another, we do know that the two groups have very different tastes and strategies. The Ikalakala bonobos, they prefer small deer-like mammals called daikas, um, while the Cocoalongo bonobos are totally team squirrel. And despite these differences, they hang out and they share their culturally different food. Yes, it's inspirational. Okay, you said it, not me, I heard you. 
<laughs> and yes, more research needs to be done. Of course, I've heard you there too. Uh, this study looked at just two wild bonobo groups. So we have to ask, is this just between these two? Are there more? Well, thanks to the Coco Lopori Bonobo Reserve, we might be able to answer that. But thanks to the internal conflicts in the Democratic Republic of Congo and the total number of surviving bonobos, which may only be like 15,000, it's going to be tricky. So, maybe if we take a page out of the bonobo book for a minute, perhaps, perchance, <laughs> we can find out. After the break, we are moving on from peaceful chimps to thoughtful rats. Yes, rats, you heard me. And it turns out there's a lot going on between their teeny ears, including imagination. Oh, I can explain. Stay tuned. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A lot happens every day. Cut through some of the noise by listening to What's New with Wired, a podcast that provides in-depth coverage on technology and culture. With new episodes released every weekday, you can catch up on all the major events you missed. From AI developments to business updates to new scientific theories, it helps you make sense of what's happening in the world. Plus, each episode is usually pretty short. You can easily squeeze it in on your way to work or during a lunch break. So stay updated with the award-winning journalism from Wired. Listen to What's New with Wired wherever you get your podcasts. That's What's New with Wired wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, let's say you're cooking dinner tonight and honestly, you've been looking forward to it all fucking day. <laughs> you're making your world-famous burritos, but there's just one problem. You don't have a damn thing in the house. So this means you're gonna have to head on over to the grocery store. Now, it's a pain in the ass, but this isn't your first burrito rodeo. You have a favorite supermarket, and you know it well. You know where the best tortillas are, in which pile the best cheese can be found. You even know which brand of sliced jalapenos to look for, in what aisle, on even which shelf they sit. While you're on your way to the store, in your mind, you're mapping out the fastest route around the people, carts, and kids. You're planning your mode of attack to get out of there in record time, because your reward is a night in sweet, sweet Burritoville. Now, that last part, with you picturing where each item is and how to find it, this imaginary mental map, well, you're not the only creature who can do this. Let's get into it. My swift business goose, please join me, will you, at the Howard Hughes Medical Institute, or HHMI, about 35 miles north of Washington, D.C. It was in HHMI's Janelia Research Campus where Shangzi Lei, a postdoc candidate, posed a question, a simple question, that could reveal a pretty controversial answer. Could animals think beyond their immediate circumstances. Like, can they imagine 
Well, you, my supercharged business goose, may be thinking, how in the holy hell do you even go about testing something like that? I mean, we're not mind readers, are we? Hmm. I am so glad you asked. If you're a longtime listener of this show, you know deep down, we are. In the first half of episode 161, recreating a pop song using only brainwaves, that's just one example. And in this case, all you need is a furry volunteer and to build the right equipment. Our volunteer is, of course, you guessed it, a run-of-the-mill lab rat, but... You, me, and this lab rat here, well, we all have something in common. And it's not only that we're really cute. As so wonderfully summed up by Ben Taub of IFL Science, quote, Like humans, rats possess neurons known as place cells within a brain region called the hippocampus, which is central to both memory and imagination. As rodents move around, these place cells fire in ever-changing configurations that represent the environment in which they find themselves at any given moment. Within the human hippocampus, the firing patterns of these place cells are remembered and stored as cognitive maps. Like mental models of previously experienced environments, these maps can be recalled and retraced in our imaginations thus allowing us to transport ourselves to distant locations without moving our bodies. End quote. So, my friends, we share these place cells. And to see if rats can mentally traverse their own cognitive maps, we need to whip out a mind-reading machine. No problem. All we need is a little help from our non-living buddy, AI. Who else? (laughs) Now, Kongji... Uh, joined forces with Albert Lee, a group leader at Janelia, and together they, quote, developed a system to understand what animals are thinking, a real-time thought detector that could measure neural, measure neural activity and translate what it meant. The system used a brain-machine interface, or a BMI, which provides a direct connection between brain activity and an external device, end quote, from Eureka Alert. Now, that was a fancy way of saying this BMI consisted of a few ingenious parts. It included a series of implanted electrodes within the hippocampus of several rats who were placed, get this, these rats were placed on a 360-degree treadmill, like a ball. And surrounding the animal on this treadmill was a 360-degree immersive virtual reality projected maze that they could traverse like a video game using their movements. Yeah, and if you think, if you think a gaming rat looks cute, holy shit, you're right. Please head on over to our social media stuffs and tap on today's post. Swipe past all those social bonobos. You will see this tight gaming setup like a rat on this ball with the projected maze around it and it's got electrodes, and it's just wild. Now, as the rats learned the maze and navigated this digital world in search of a sweet, sweet reward, the electrodes in their hippocampus recorded each place cell's firing and then matched that pattern to a movement, thus measuring and translating. And here we are, voila. Our AI is now fully fluent in rat thoughts. Well, when it comes to movement, anyway. 
Now comes the big test. The treadmill was removed, but the electrodes and the virtual reality world were still plugged in. For the rat to successfully get through the maze and nibble on that sweet reward, it could no longer use its physical movements. It would have to think about moving. If it wanted to move forward, it would have to imagine it. Move left, imagine, right? Yes, you said it, imagine. It would have to use that mental map. So, did they? Drum roll, please. Thank you in the back. Quote, rats successfully navigated the course by controlling their hippocampus, generating efficient paths to each goal, wrote the researchers in their study titled Volitional Activation of Remote Place Representations with a Hippocampal Brain Machine Interface. What this means, exactly, Kongji explained to Eureka Alert, is that a rat can indeed activate the representation of places in the environment without going there. Quote, even if his physical body is fixed, his spatial thoughts can go to a very remote location. End quote. That just made me happy. Round of fucking rat tattooey applause. (laughs) That's so cute. Okay. But my friends, there's more. This study's findings got even cooler. Hold on to your creative cheeks. After kicking ass and showing that, yes, they have the ability to move through a virtual environment using only their imagination, the rats were then challenged to mentally pick up and move an object within this VR world. And you know what? They could fucking do that, too. Quote, like how a person sitting in their office might imagine taking a cup next to the coffee, taking a cup to the coffee machine and filling it with coffee. The animals were able to sustain this hippocampal activity, even though they're th- even holding their thoughts on a given location for many seconds, a time frame similar to the one at which humans relive past events or imagine new scenarios. In sum, the team found that rats can precisely and flexibly control their hippocampal activity in the same way humans likely do. End quote from Eureka Alert. Are you impressed? Yeah, I am too. And you know what? I'm from New York. And um, I just want to say, and I'm sure my fellow New Yorkers would agree with me. We kind of knew this already about rats. We kind of knew it. (laughs) They know what they're doing. Um, But it is nice. It's nice to have the science uh, back it up. Thank you for listening. Rating keep dropping those five stars. It really helps grow the flock. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you uh, for commenting, sharing episodes, telling your friends about the bonobos. Oh, and how they like share food. God damn it. It's great. And how rats, they just, they're, I mean, they're just about to take over. I mean, it's already New York. So um, what can you do? And a big bonobo-sized hug and thanks to the folks over at Airwave Media, the podcast network to which WTI belongs. If you love this show, and you do, you will love the other podcasts in this family. And please, stay interesting. <laughs>